Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of work, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited to be launching another brand new series here on Game Changers Radio, The Future of Work with Game Changers, episode number one. We're live here. It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. My, how time flies. Let me tell you a little bit about the series before I go into the usual opening with the buzz and let's see who our panelists are. So the pace and dimension of digitalization, that's a big word, are constantly increasing and putting pressure on companies, your companies. Company, you, our listeners all over the world, to lead more effectively and organize your internal and external ecosystem. At the same time, many businesses, like yours perhaps, are not fully leveraging the potential of your employees and your partners. Why not is the question. Well, a status quo mindset, and you may be guilty of that, does not question your current leadership models or invest in the future of work trends. So we have created this brand new series to give you a glimpse into tomorrow's daring business and industry trends around the future of work and how to reinvent working models within your internal and external ecosystem. So we ask you to join us for the ways to become a savvy transformation leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business. So welcome, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and let's see what our buzz on the street is today. So the buzz is, um, let's see, in 2018, workforce agility will become the most critical concept in HCM, that's human capital management. This requires tapping into people's innate capacity for learning, growth, and innovation. I'm very pleased to open with that quote because it's from a colleague of mine, Dr. Stephen Hunt, who's the Senior VP of Customer Value at SAP. He's been on many of our Game Changers shows. So what is this all about? Most companies, and yours may be among them, have always hired workers from different generations, maybe two generations, maybe three, but today it's all changed. It's not uncommon for companies to employ people in five demographic cohorts. We're talking about ages 20 to 70 or more. These people have diverse abilities and different ways of learning and different ways of working. So if you're already doing this, having many, many generations in the workforce, how's that going for you? Are your HCMs, your human capital assets, sharing information? Are they collaborating? Are they playing well in the sandbox? Are they mentoring each other? Are they patient with each other? Do they like working with each other? Or da 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 is your workplace a battleground of personal and professional agendas? This is a problem we're going to be tackling today. Let me tell you who my special speakers are, and then we'll get started. First up, I'll be welcoming back a gentleman who is a regular on many of our Game Changer shows. He is Kai Gerlish. He is Chief Futurist at the SAP Innovation Center Network at SAP. Joining him is a newcomer. It's Mathieu Ledeux, who is an innovation facilitator. We're happy to have Mathieu on the line with us. And joining us also is 
one of the sponsors of this series and actually the brains behind this series. He's Michel Serrier, who formerly about 26 years at SAP left a few years ago to form a consultancy called Inno Lifters. We're happy to have Michel back and thank you for putting this together, Michel, with your colleague Upendra Barve and we have Oski Olmez also helping out. So let's turn to Kai and Kai Gerlish has sent me the following quote from Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson, who currently is worth about $5.1 billion. You know, English businessman founded the Virgin Group, which controls more than 400 companies and started as an entrepreneur at age 16. Woohoo! Here's the quote. In business, as in life, all that matters is that you do something positive. Kai, Happy New Year. How are you? And welcome to our new show. Happy New Year to you as well. Thanks. I'm fine. Thanks. Good. Talk to me about this quote. I like it. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the multi-generation workforce. How's that going? So how does this quote fit in? Well, I think that, that in most cases, what we see now with, with the discussion about the human workforce and automation and everything, it's uh, that sometimes we, we focus too much on, on the aspect of work. I mean, hard work, you know, uh, and, and in Germany especially, you know, this kind of work should hurt a little bit, so it's, it's not, not meant to be easy and, and fun. And I think we sometimes forget that that, um, that actually there is always, you know, if, if you really want to have, want to be creative in life and really want to ha- lead an enjoyable life, um, you have to learn to do the daily stuff with fun uh, and meaning. So everything can, can basically have a meaning. And I'm not talking about the, 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 the stuff that makes us, uh, that gives us a bad mood. Of course, there are work, work that, that we don't like. But in most cases, you know, we can basically focus on the positive things. Let's try to make some people have more happy. Let's uh, go for some quality of, of, of what we want to do. And the things will improve. And I think uh, Richard Branson here quoted it very good. It's no separation between work and life. It's an attitude you have to have. So, so, so tell me something, Kai. Attitude may be the most important word you just mentioned, maybe one of the most important words for our topic today, which is officially today's multi-generational workforce colliding or mm-hmm. cooperating. Is attitude what's going to be get, will get companies through this multi-phased, multi I won't say multi-challenge, but multi-style, multi-generational, multi-linguistic uh, and, and personal everything and, and how they approach work. Is attitude coming from the top going to help smooth this out in the workforce today? What's your thought? Yeah, I think it's, it's also known as, as, as culture, but this is a kind of, you know, working culture or company culture. I think if, if you're really interested, the attitude has to be that you're really interested in in human in, you, in your human fellows. So basically, uh, you're not just working there, but you're interested in with whom you work and how you work. And if you're that kind of person, and if you nurture this kind of culture, then age is not the, the discriminating factor, the most important factor. Uh, of course, we have different levels of of, of uh, how we of expertise, of, of experiences. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is not, not the, uh, the show-stopping case or the, the really discriminating factor because if you're really interested in other people, then, then everything will come together and it's more a collaborative effort. And I think that's where the culture is. You have, you know, and then talking about these, these uh, the, the discrepancies between the, the various age groups is, is, I think, more hurting than doing good. 
Thank you very much, Kai. Good perspective. Culture, another key word that popped up. And I wasn't really so much looking at ages, different styles and patience and impatience. We're going to cover a lot of that during the show. Kai, always a pleasure to be speaking with you. And now let's bring on our newcomer to Game Changers, Mathieu Ledieu, an innovation facilitator. And Mathieu has sent us a quote from John Maynard Keynes, who lived from 1883 to 1946, a British economist whose ideas fundamentally changed the theory and practice of macro economics and the economics of governments. Uh, He is widely known for the school of thought known as Keynesian economics. We're going to leave it at that. And here's the quote Mathieu has selected. The difficulty lies not so much in developing new ideas as in escaping from old ones. Mathieu Ledieu, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Hi, I'm uh, very fine. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. That's very kind of you. Talk to me about this quote. We're talking about multi-generational workforce, and here we, you're talking about, through the words of John Maynard Keynes, getting rid of the old, escaping the old ideas and coming up with the new ones. Talk to me. How does this apply to our topic, please? Yes. Um, to me, this uh, quote looks really relevant to the topic of, uh, of the talk. That in tomorrow, maybe five generations will soon be, be working side by side, and um, the conflict between the new and the old will be um, permanent, and I think the, the the main challenge, and that's because I, I selected this quote, that that the main challenge would be to um, to to um, to provide the, to the youngest generation the space they expect to to express themselves and de- develop their potential in the, in organizations um, already well structured and uh, maybe not really designed to. Um, and to, um, to 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 have uh, different type of people and different types of, of talents to uh, um, to uh, interact together inside. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Are you a fan or a follower of Mr. Keynes, perhaps, Mature? Did you just happen to find this quote? Uh, actually, uh, I studied economics at uh, the university, so uh, <laughs> I know well this guy. <laughs> I, I had a feeling because it's it's uh, it's not somebody we would normally quote on a show like this. This is great. Thank you so much and welcome. We're looking forward to a lot more from you and we appreciate your time. And now let's bring on our third panelist, no stranger to Game Changers. He was the sponsor of a series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers for at least three years. I think Michel Serrier and he left us and went out to form his own company called Inno Lifters. And Michelle contacted me a few months ago and said, can I come back and sponsor a series on the future of work and we figured it out so here we are and Michelle has selected a quote today from Bucky Fuller that's Richard R period Buckminster Fuller 1895 to 1983, an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, and inventor. And if you've ever heard of the term spaceship Earth, that was his. He coined that. How about synergetic? That was his. How about ephemeralization? That's almost as complicated as digitalization. That was his. And he created an architectural concept called the geodesic dome. That was an invention. And carbon molecules that look like the geodesic spheres are called fullerenes. He was the second world president of Mensa. Woohoo! From 1974 to 1983, I was a member of Mensa, and I don't carry the card anymore, so I don't know if I'm lifelong, Michelle, but I hope I'm still smart. Here's the quote Michelle has selected from Mr. Fuller. We are called to be architects of the future, not its victims. Michelle Serrier, how are you? 
Bonjour, I'm, I'm, or good evening in my case, but uh, I'm doing really fine. I'm happy to be, uh, to be back. I'm happy to have you back. So talk to me about this quote. We are called to be architects of the future, not its victims. How does this apply to our multi, multi, multi-generation workforce, Michelle? Because I, I believe we live in a, well, I should say I have three kids. And, uh, and basically, if you want your kids, and the company in which you're working, or the one you're, you're building in my case currently, that you, you actually really want to build something and not be, a, not be a victim, then you should play the role of the architect. And this is something which is currently more important than, than ever. And actually, with all those words you used before, with digitalization and so on, there mm-hmm. is a massive opportunity for everyone that has a plan, actually, just not to be an actor of a movie, but to be the scenarist. Or like uh, uh, Doug Fuller would say, actually the architect of uh, its own future. And you don't have to sit there and just wait for someone to, uh, to call you in to do a job which you're maybe not going to like, but really uh, go and, uh, and plan your dive and then dive your plan. So tell me something, Michelle, if you don't mind. Architects of the Future, I was introducing the series, which you helped to create, obviously, and I appreciate that. It's a topic we haven't exactly focused on, although we've had topics on uh, changing the game in HR. We've had other HCM types of shows, but never exactly. We've had the future of business, but not the future of work. So when we talk about the future of work, and we talk about all of these people working in the workforce, and boomers like me are not going away quietly. We're not going away quickly. We're not going away easily. We're just not going away. So we are the upper end of the workforce, and just that's the way it is, I'm telling you. But but my question is, in terms of victims of, uh, do you think that there is a, a, a difficulty in how broad – let's just look at this multi-generational workforce. Do you think the companies are ready to deal with this? Do you think there's a resistance to – employing people who are at the opposite ends of this very, very wide age and experience range. I'm going to go to what Kai said, the culture, not just the age. So do you think there's a resistance to that, Michelle? What are you observing? I don't think there is a resistance to it. I think there is a, um, there is a difficulty to grasp how you... Um, um, it's. Uh, how you, it's like changing the way you style your hair, basically, and, uh, and then you wake up the next morning and you don't know how to... Uh, to put it back like the hairdresser did it because you're not used to it. <laughs> and this is a bit the same thing that the, the, most of the companies are facing currently, that they, they used to do things a certain way since 30 or 35 or 40, 50 years. And now they need to a certain extent to reinvent themselves. And they, they have a certain um, apprehension to, uh, to go that way um, while forgetting that actually due to digitalization and all those type of stuff, it actually has never been that easy to actually disrupt yourself. And that's why this, uh, and, and, and the future is going to happen. It always did, but it's always, it's happening faster and faster. So you need to become adaptive and you, you need to change from, uh, from just working in individual silos, um, individual quotient. So to say to something which is more swarm thinking and, and a swarm has, has fishes which have different ages, different horizons, where they're coming from, and different experiences. And that's what makes it uh, rich and adaptive. 
Thank you. You used the word horizons. You were used the word rich. You used the word adaptive. Uh, we're going to add those to some of the other keywords our other panelists have shared today. We're on a really good track here. Thank you, Michelle, and thanks for working on this series. Now let's circle around to Kai Gurlish. Kai, you know what I'm going to ask you. Number one, where are you calling from today? And number two, what are you drinking that really, really, really makes you smile? Or what was your favorite drink over the holiday, if you'd like to share that with us? Kai? Yes, uh, I am calling in from Berlin, uh, so Germany, um, and actually, yeah, my, my favorite drink, yeah, it's, it's still coffee in the morning, so it's an espresso with, um, with oat milk in the morning, that's my favorite drink. Oh, that sounds good. And you said in the morning without milk, do you drink espresso anytime later in the day with milk, or is it just straight without milk all no, the time? No, in the morning with milk, and then, then basically oh. I stopped because I found out that uh, drinking too much coffee makes bad sleep, uh, so I, <laughs> I try to, to, to calm down a little bit because, you know, I'm a very calm person uh, anyway, so no, no but, but in your coffee makes me hyperactive, that's not good. <laughs> I used to tell, Kai, when I would go to a restaurant and order a decaf coffee, let's say it's seven or eight at night after dinner, I would look at the waiter, I would look him in the eye, and I'd say, if you bring me the wrong coffee and it has caffeine in it, and I start jumping up and hitting the ceiling before I leave the restaurant, I said, I'm getting your phone number, and I'm going to call you at two in the morning when I can't sleep, and I don't care who answers the phone. And they would look at me with such fear in their eyes, they would remember to make mine a decaf. So I've been there, I've done that, and occasionally, you know, there is no such thing as pure your 100% decaf. So there's always a little smidge of caffeine, and we have to take our chances. Thank you, Kai. And Mathieu Ledieu, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking right now? Let's start with that question. Well, I'm calling from Geneva in Switzerland, and, um, well, I'm uh, I'm drinking water, but uh, it's not so interesting. But my my favorite beverage is uh, cider. Uh, maybe you don't know, but cider is a French beverage with uh, with apple, with not so much uh, alcohol, and uh, it's very good to uh, to drink it with uh, when you eat uh, pancakes. Ah, I know what cider is. Yes, we have something here called hard cider, which has the alcohol in it. And then we have uh, apple cider, all kinds of cider you can buy in a supermarket that you could actually give to your children with no bad results. So thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And Michelle, rumor has it you're somewhere in the same building with Mathieu. So why don't you tell us where you are and what you're doing there and what do you love to drink, Monsieur Serrier? Thank you, Madame Bonnie. I'm, uh, I'm actually sitting probably seven meters and a half from uh, from uh, Nature Way in another room, and uh, so in Geneva also. And uh, uh, now I'm actually not drinking anything, but uh, I'm going to have to drive afterwards three hours, so I'm going to take an espresso before I leave so that I don't fall asleep in the car. And my favorite drink is actually cognac. Ooh, do you have a favorite so, brand of cognac, uh, yeah. Michelle? Yes, Hennessy. Hennessy. Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you very much. We, we don't mind brand names at all. And thank you. And, and uh, why don't you do a shout-out? I'll let you do a shout-out to your colleague, Upen Barve, at SAP, if you want to say hello to him. I don't know if he's listening or not. I don't see him here on Twitter yet, but if you want to do a shout-out to him for uh, working with you to set up the series, anything you'd like to say to Upen? Well, uh, of course, Umpen is, uh, is uh, someone I really like, and I worked a long time with him, and I'm still working with him, and we're working uh, alongside with uh, with different customers, and uh, I, ho- I hope he's listening, 
and I'll be seeing him anyway in 36 hours in Geneva. So there we'll you see go. each other at Firmenich, actually. Okay, good. And I have to do a shout out to our tweeters. We're seeing tweets from Nancy L. Schick, the law offices of Nancy Schick. We haven't talked to you in a while. Nancy did several shows on uh, human capital and uh, work law, work law, all kinds of workplace law with two of her colleagues in New York City with me on Coffee Break with Game Changers last year. Nancy, so happy you're listening and tweeting. And Amy Bateman, a new colleague I met at SAP who is working on a brand new series called Conversations with Game Changers that will debut in a few weeks. So very happy to hear, see from both of you here on, let's see if we have anybody else. Okay, so we're busy on Twitter. So we're going to take a quick break now. This is how the show works if you're brand new to Game Changers Radio. We do our intro, we do our setup, we get a little bit of information so we get to know our guests really well. Then we take a quick 90-second break, and then we're going to come back and start the roundtable straight through to the end. And we're going to open up with Kai Gerlish, and we're going to talk about what is happening, the Industrial Revolution, what is happening with the workplace. And how do we get to this point in history where companies have so many generations in the workforce and so much to manage? Is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? Is your workforce colliding or cooperating? Very important question. I don't care how big or small your company is, what industry you're in, how big your footprint is, how mature or new, and how many people you employ. So listen up. We're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise you we'll be right back. Aaron out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the pace and dimensions of digitalization are moving faster than ever and the future of companies will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to pressures to become thought leaders the definition of future success is being shaped by factors as diverse as insights from employment and organizational trends the new global pool of distributed skilled talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of work and the future of change. The Future of Work is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of work with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of work with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. The Future of Work with Game Changers, one of our brand new series here for 2018, speaking today with three experts in this field of the changing workplace and multi-generational workforce. We have Kai Gerlish, we have Mathieu Ledoux, and we have Michelle Serrier. I hope my accent is working appropriately here. We're going to start our roundtable with Kai, and I'm going to read a couple of lines from what he sent me before the show, and Kai will explain, then we will invite Mathieu and Michelle to chime in. So, Kai says, the classical industrial revolution is the exception. In hindsight, the classic industrial revolution will be a short and exceptional phase in human history, not the long-term model. Kai, very provocative. Tell me what this means, please. 
Yeah, when you know when I was thinking about uh, how how the the work changes or how the economy will change, I found out that we had a long history of not working in the industrialization, and everybody said, "Yeah, you know, this is it, and we will have a second one." But the first one meant basically that we went where the job was or where the work was, so we went all into the factory. The problem is that we got stuck with that mind model. So we now all think that we have to set up our businesses like a factory. It doesn't matter if you're a blue-collar worker or if you're really working in a steel factory or something. You go where the work is. And the future, we know, is more digitized and, and less the classical work that we had in the past. And we don't have to go there. I mean, basically, we can rent all these office buildings already. We could, but basically... But uh, our mindset is so on, on this old classical steam industrialization that we forget that we are now free to do what, uh, basically to do more things uh, or whatever we want to do with, with work, but we don't have to get stuck in, in the old industrialization. So I think with Insight, this will be the exception, and we will hopefully come up to, with better models in the future. And, and can you predict a little bit of what that model will be, Kai, just before we invite our other two panelists to chime in? What, what would you make? What would the Kai Girlish model be? Yeah, I think um, what we have to, uh, of course, uh, working only half-time, but we are already approaching this. In all the discussions that you follow in the media, that, that uh, even worker associations demand that people work less for the same money, of course, so we are more slowly approaching a world where we have something like a basic income or versions of it. So we work less hours, but we do better work because we are much more qualified and we, we get support. And it's less coupled to a certain uh, physical uh, yeah, position, let's say, so we can, can move freely, move around. We can have multiple jobs instead of just one, and we will collaborate much more than in the past. So it's not one worker, one function idea, but it's, it's more free. Thank you. Uh, very, very interesting. Very apropos for what we're talking about. Michelle, uh, I'm sorry, Mathieu Ledieu, our innovation facilitator on the show. Mathieu, what are your thoughts on what Kai just introduced? Please tell us. Yeah, thank you, Kai, for this uh, introduction. I, I think it's, um, it raises very good points, and uh, I think that um, this new, um, there is a, a new Era, I would say, uh, opened by the digital digital technologies, and uh, as you as you mentioned, the the way we um, we now we uh, we deal with this uh, with this new tool, and we are now connected with everyone and uh, all over the world. Change the, the way we um, we work and um, we interact with uh, with people, um, and the, the the way also we uh, we can. Imagine the the our work and uh, um, the, the youngest generation have the new uh, also um, values and uh, uh, ideal I, I would say about the the what they want to achieve and the, it push also new um, new ways of working to emerge and to um, to uh, uh, to develop. We are we are. Um, I think we are really at the beginning of a new movement to see uh, different types of, uh, of um, a multitude of, uh, of way of working and not just uh, a single one as maybe the industrial, uh, um, the industrial era um, um, used to, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to develop. 
Thank you very much, Monsieur. Michelle, I'd love to get you to chime in. We've got a really good provocative discussion going here. Michelle Serrier, please. Yeah, hi. So um, what I was thinking when uh, listening to, uh, to what Kai was saying is that actually, um, and, and, and I guess it's, uh, it's a bit the same thing, but using another, is actually we, up to now, the, the past uh, 150 years, we lived a lot with a Tayloristic approach of the way we work, meaning that someone, I mean, you go to school, to, you study something, and then most of the time you, you do the same job for the next 40 years. Um, and when you get taught something, then you... Um, then you're going to swim always the same way for the rest of your life. And this is something which is going to, to change. As uh, Mathieu was saying, that basically this, uh, uh, again, if I look at my children, it's not, they don't like repetitive things. Um, mm-hmm. They are more working. It doesn't mean that they don't redo things, but they, I would use now to use an agile term, they do iterations. So they do, they repeat things, but they do them every time differently. They prove mm-hmm. them, and they move towards something which is more value-based work, where it's more efficient, and you have more time to do something different afterwards, and, and you feel good. Thank you very much. Kai, I'm going to circle around to you. You started this part of the conversation. I'd love for you to comment. Any thoughts on what Mature or Michelle added to your thoughts, your, to your topic? Yeah, I think they, they both uh, added good aspects of it, and, and I think that the, the, it's it's more about, as I said earlier, the attitude of what we what we do and how we do it, mm-hmm. than than the actual work. And as as Michelle rightfully said, it's about educational be educational as well. So, so we have to rethink uh, how we how we grow into work, how we come, from, how we, what we do in school, on, on university, and, and later in work, because usually it was this, this big plan you had, you know, you, you study something and then you have the job for the next 20 years, and this model is completely broken, and uh, it's good that it's broken, because actually uh, for, for many people it was a kind of boring uh, thing, although very secure, I must say, you know, it's, it's a, yes. you have a boring job, but a secure job, and we shouldn't forget that. Uh, digitization is in part about insecurity as well. Very good point. We haven't even talked about the threat, so-called threat of robotics coming in, of robots coming in and taking away jobs. I know Michel Serrier just mentioned when his children do repetitive things, they do them differently every single time, and we don't want repetitive. Those are the jobs we want to train the bots to do for us so we can do more meaningful work. Am I on the right track there, Kai? Yes, exactly. Exactly. This, uh, we have to... Basically, it's we have to behave to learn like like or to to behave like an artist and not like the classical worker in working on a chain. Thank you very much. You. I'm going to look. I'm looking at uh, Mathieu Ledoux's statements here, and, and here's something very interesting. We we absolutely have to talk about this, Mathieu. It's the first one you sent me. You say in a multi generational workforce, there is potential for negative stereotyping and the risk of having separate homogeneous groups working in silos and not collaborating. Respect and humility are at the core of good collaboration. Mathieu, could you talk to us about those negative stereotypes? I think we need to bring this to the forefront here in our conversation because that's part of the question of colliding or co- collaborating, cooperating. Mathieu, love to hear your thoughts, please. Yes, um, I, I, I think that uh, what I, I can observe, it's um, a kind of... Um, um, people from different generations can observe them and 
because they don't really understand what are their motivation or the value they they um, they have they they can have a misunderstanding be, between the um, the two uh, categories of people and the the temptation could be to um to 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 have okay because of this uh, stereotypes and uh, and um the 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 perception we have from the different generation on their ability to work or on their ability to be efficient and be uh, valuable for for the rest of the group we can have the temptation to um, to to be efficient and to 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 build homogeneous groups by generation to um to actually to to be with uh, other people we can understand and we can uh, uh we won't be bothered with and um at, at the end i i think that um we uh, we we cannot have we can observe this kind of organization uh, uh in the military workforce for instance we can uh, have some uh, uh homogeneous units with the same category of people there you don't have this uh, this melting pot i would say um just in order to have an operational uh, efficiency and um if uh, the, the the risk i i think is to um is to uh, uh, to be um to 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 make a mistake uh, on the on the way to um to lead your organization because uh, uh i think you everything can learn from uh, from uh, from each other uh, from the the oldest and from the youngest as well um i think if we want to uh, to work together and in uh, the same uh, with the same objective, we need to to respect each other and say that okay, we we can learn from uh, everyone, um, uh, uh, as well as from the the, the elders who, who have the experience and um, uh, of this uh, of the organization of the work of some uh, some activities, but also from the youngest who maybe um, have also um, another. Another view uh, and vision about the objectives uh, to uh, to pursue, um, and I, I think this is the way that, for instance, in Tesla, um, to be efficient in the way to to solve pro- problem in in Tesla, for instance. Uh, um, so um, Elon Musk sent an email to uh, all the employees to. Uh, to encourage them to, uh, when you have an idea, whenever, whatever your position in the company, whatever your 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 um, seniority, uh, if you have an idea to solve a problem, you can uh, you can directly uh, ask to uh, go to people in charge of the problem and uh, share with them your ideas. And uh, this is um, a way I think to um, to dig deeper to. To build this uh, collaboration is uh, between generations. Thank you very much. Building is another key word that's coming out of this. Thank you, Mitchell. Very eloquent on that. Michelle Serrier, love to get your thoughts. We're talking about a lot of things here. Agree or disagree with Mitchell's point of view, please. Uh, I, I actually agree with what Mathieu is saying. I'm maybe going to spin it differently. I think we, we live actually in a world where we're starting differently. The, a hundred years ago, or even us towards our parents, we were actually looking at it, looking at them and saying, not their parents, but the people the same age when we started to work in the companies, we were actually saying that 
Um, they have the experience. They are going to teach me a lot. The young people that are coming in today are actually, uh, to a certain extent, persuaded that they have all the best ideas and that everything that was done before is crap. The other way around, the, um, the people from our generation, in most cases, are actually persuaded that they, they are young, so they have no experience, so they bring no value. And those stereotypes is what we need to overcome to make sure that we, uh, that, that, um, uh, that we actually, you get to a, per- I'm going to say to a perfect world, and as uh, Mathieu was saying it, a perfect organization, one which is really, um, working smoothly, and when you, where you don't need to reorganize every, uh, every six months. Because in the end, the, the richness comes from the mix and from the diversity. Very interesting. You don't need to reorganize every six months. We'll just leave that one alone. Kai, circling around the table to you, you know what I'm referencing. Kai, uh, thoughts on what Mitchell introduced? Agree or disagree, Kai? No, I, I disagree. That's that's a pretty good observation. I think um, staying in the in the box of thinking is is a is a really big problem. I think that. You know, when you when you were in, I uh, learned science in university actually. So, and, and with some experience, you know, the outcome when you repeated the experiments, the outcome was set. So you had to to um, to be in line with what what was expected by the experiment. It was not not really ex- an experiment. It was just meant to train you how to do this stuff so that the outcome can be repeated. And I think that younger generations. Uh, hopefully don't fall into that same trap, so they are more open uh, to, to do things differently. That's good, and we, the older generations can learn how to, to, to re- start to rethink, uh, uh, to think more creatively. Overall, I think it, it's still one of the biggest human challenges to stay creative. And it's funny that in business we, we somehow think that with, uh, for example, the stereotype is that if you're getting older, you get you're not less you're less creative and you're not more rigid in your thinking. We wouldn't say that about artists. It's, it's just an, an idea of the business world. Thank you, Kai. Okay. I'm going to turn this back to Mathieu. Mathieu, anything you want to share about any comments about what Michelle and Kai added to your topic? Um. Thank you for, for for your for your comments and um, I, I think that um, yeah that, that that's the, the good I, I think that the, the what is really important at the end is to to, to find a way to um, to, um, to 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 respect the 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 needs and the, the expectation of everyone and find the compromise uh, between the um, between the between the the different values and, and, and expectations from uh, all the g- different generations. Thank you very much. I, I'm going to... Yeah, go ahead, Michelle, please. Yes, go ahead. If I, if I may add, I think we're talking multi-generational, but what we're going to see also, and which is happening more and more in our global environment, is actually multicultural. And not just because we are starting to have uh, people moving from continents, but because as the... Uh, I was mentioning at the beginning of um, of the, uh, the session because actually you can you can you can add value to uh, someone sitting in Philadelphia uh, while you're sitting in Australia and uh, yeah. and so it's really different culture and different generations also so it, it's also adding this to the to the equation. Very well put. I, I want to just throw something on the table here before I read something that Michelle sent me. We have plenty of time left. Uh, I've I've been aware, and I think all of you are that. As the workforce 
brings in millennials are now in their mid thirties. Last year they were reaching up to thirty five. They're probably thirty six, maybe thirty seven years old now. They're not babies anymore. They are acquiring managerial experience and skills. And sometimes a millennial, an early I'll call it leading edge millennial, is put in a position of becoming the manager, the boss, the supervisor. You name the position, however you want to say it in your workplace culture, of somebody who is ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years older than they are. I just want to go around the table and see if there's a clash in terms of, I won't call it an insult, I guess I just did, but um, an, an interpretation by the older employee, how dare they give me a manager who's 20 years younger? Than, what could they possibly know? How could they possibly treat me fairly? Let's just go around the table, starting with Michelle Serrier. Michelle, what, do you, what have you observed or what do you think would happen in this scenario? Uh, actually, I'm going to say that when I uh, when I had my first management position at SAP, I actually was leading a group of people for um, which, for the most part, actually trained me um, ten years before. So, um, so it works. But I think it's uh, uh, and and now if it, um, I also had bosses that were ten or fifteen years earlier than me at SAP, uh, younger than me at SAP. And I think it's a question of leadership. It's either I trust those people and they're competent. Um, and and then why not? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm okay. fine. With it. It's uh, okay. age doesn't age doesn't play a role. It's competence and attitude as, as uh, We I keep going it. back to that word and culture. Kai, what are your thoughts on this? What do you what do you think would happen? Or have you ever been in that situation? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, we have this. I have this quite quite often here at SAP uh, with, with changing with uh, changing organizations. Um, it very much depends on, as, as Michelle said, on trust. Basically, if you if you're in a good team and and there is a trust in the team and you know what to do, um, and and you're respected, then then age doesn't matter that much. I mean, for sure, if you make up the case, I would have uh, nearly 20 years more experience, life experience. But mm-hmm. um, let's be fair. I mean, not. You know, there are some people who are really old and have no life experience at all. So it's, it's you know, just to say that, that older people have a lot of life experience compared to the younger ones is a little bit, you know, it's true, premature. <laughs> oh, that was a good one, Kai. That was a really good one. Uh, Mathieu Ledieu, I'm ready for you. I want you to chime in on this. Have you ever been in this position? And what, what would your advice be to somebody who is? Or what have you observed? Monsieur, Monsieur Ledieu. Uh, actually, I've never been in this situation, and it's um, it's the opposite uh, actually. Because uh, regarding the definition you you uh, you uh, you gave from uh, about what is a millennial, I, I'm uh, I'm in this uh, definition, <laughs> and um, actually it's more um, it's more okay when you my managers are have always been uh, um, older than me and. Uh, it's more uh, okay when you, according to me, uh, it's uh, frustration when you have something, a new, uh, new idea, but uh, it's uh, it's not taken into account because you are the 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 young guy of the of the group, and uh, we are not going to take it into uh, consideration. 
it's, it's more... Yeah, but I'm older. Uh, they kill my ideas all the time, so this is not a good <laughs> argument. <laughs> I, I have to comment. I'm, I'm a boomer, not exactly the leading edge, but not far from the beginning, and you can all do the math. I'm not going to admit to anything, but my managers are always younger than me. I'm always happy if they're only 10 years younger than I am because we can talk about... <laughs> we have a certain shared culture because they're not so far away from when I grew up in the days of, of early rock and roll and certain TV shows and things going on in the American culture. When they're 20 years younger, it's harder for me to relate to them, but I certainly try. I think I have some... some what, what I've said basically is that we should learn to um, behave a little bit more like artists, and I think that um, we should be more like jazz players, so, so improvise, learn to improvise a lot. And that, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the classical industrialization, uh, the, the role model was... You, you re- repeat what you do, and you scale, so the business has to scale. And that's basically how, how today, unfortunately, classic, classic uh, music is played. You have a conductor at the front, and he tells you what kind of note you have to play and exactly how you should play your violin or whatever you play. And this is a, is a broken role model because the future is much more about improvisation in a team, in a project team, in a different setup. And the team members are sometimes players, and sometimes they are band leaders, and they can't switch. I think that's, that's the challenge, because uh, if we move into the roles uh, that we are given, then we won't make it into the future independent uh, on, on our age, basically. And I don't want to say that class, playing classical music is not creative, uh, but it's more, um, for, for the moment, it's more in a repetitive mode in most of the time, unfortunately. Uh, so if somebody from classical music listens, please be creative and go back to that... Um, spirit because they had it they just give it up mm-hmm. or gave it up so we have to learn how to to really be artists to, to learn to self-educate to grow and and one Kai? phrase i found yes Kai, this is Bonnie. I'm back. I want to thank you because before the show, I told you I wanted you to hit that note, <laughs> pun intended, thank you very much, uh, in, in your notes because we want to talk about that. But that's a perfect segue to something in Michelle Serrier. Yes, I, apparently I'm okay now. I hope you can all hear me. Uh, Michelle Serrier sent me a quote from somebody named Elisis Davis, I hope, or Elisa Davis. And here's the quote, and it's a, a great con- continuity from what Kai was just talking about. Michelle says, one big change compared to our older generations is that more younger people seem to understand that, here's the quote, you are the entrepreneur of your career, even if you are employed by others. So, Michelle Serrier, you want to comment on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the reason I'm saying this, and, and this is, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's a lot more uh, and uh, this is why I like that quote, because I think it's something which is missing in my generation. Is actually that uh, um, I, I always used to say when I was working at SAP, the people that wanted to make a career, that uh, making a career is also a bit like uh, playing um, at a lottery. If you don't buy a ticket, you cannot win. So if you don't participate yourself, there is no chance that you're That's going right. to, to get one of the prizes. And, and, uh, and the younger generation... Because they, um, because I don't know, because they grew up differently, because they um, they they think bigger than me, uh, maybe than what we did as an average. They actually really try to make sure that they sit in the driving seat, even though they uh, they accept to be employed by others. But uh, they they still they they don't mind sitting in someone else's car, but they're going to be the ones sitting on the driving seat. 
Absolutely. And, and let me add a little bit more from your notes here, Michelle. You say uh, the younger people are more selfish. They make sure they only invest in what is interesting to them. Very interesting. Uh, Kai, you want to comment on that? Or Mathieu, who would like to comment? Um, yes, it's Mathieu speaking. I agree with yes. the first part. I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't completely agree <laughs> with the second part. <laughs> um, Go ahead, yeah, yes. I, I think the... the the selfishness, I don't really um, agree with that. I think that it's um, another conception of loyalty, maybe, which is um, you, you, you can, if, if there is a meaning, if, the, the, if there is a, the organization is meaningful, if something is, a, uh, which is a, a, a huge expectation from the youngest generation to do something that is uh, valuable and with a, a social purpose, I would say, I think you can, um, this is the first one, and the second point, to, to, to be part of an organization able to, to teach them, to learn them, to, to develop their potential, and uh, their entrepreneurial potential, if uh, I uh, take your, if uh, I take your, your, your quote, uh, Michel, but uh, yeah. I think it's not a question of to be um, to be selfish or not. I think we can we can play collectively. As an example, all of the startups we we have today, there is a lot of young people uh, involved uh, in in this situation, and they they have to to work very closely and uh, on a collective mode. Thank you very much, Mathieu. I'm looking at the clock here. We have six minutes left. That means it's time for our predictions round. We call it the crystal ball. Let me circle around to Kai Gerlich. Kai, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Can you please tell us? Let's look at 2020 or later. How far in the future are you going to take this? And what will change about this issue, this challenge, or maybe this wonderful opportunity of the multi-generational workforce in 2020 or later? Kai, 60 seconds. They're all yours. Yeah, thank you. So I think in uh, we will we will see in, within the next years we will see more of these uh, part-time working model models. So not working 100%, moving into the more into the direction of the basic income model on variations of it, because we are running out of work. Um, there is always enough to do, so we are running out about out of the classical work of the kind of tedious work. There are much better things to do that we could do, more uh, valuable work, as we said, more creative ideas, and hopefully we can all educate ourselves to be aspirational, move into that direction, and actually do what we love to do. And we all have dreams or have dreams, what we really want to do, and uh, if we all help each other out, more people will do what they love in the future. Thank you. Kai, I don't know if it was yours, but I don't know if you know, I'm the new voice of the Digitalist Daily Flash Briefings Mm -hmm. at SAP, and I know I've reviewed one or two of your articles and done an audio summary, but uh, recently there was an article about going back, way back into 20th century uh, philosophers about what we're doing in terms of killing our civilization by making people work in what we call BS jobs. I don't know if that was, but anyway, it's it's a worthwhile article to take a look at, and I think that's on the tone of what you're discussing. Monsieur Mathieu Ledieu, I have 60 seconds for you. We're ready for your predictions. Please go. Uh, Sorry, I didn't hear you well. (laughs) Yes, your predictions. We're ready for your predictions. Go ahead. Oh, my prediction. Um, Yes. No, I I think we we are at the beginning to see a different new type of organization uh, to, uh, to emerge. 
um, to uh, find the, the best compromise between the the different uh, the different expectations we can have uh, in the workforce. Um, that's um, a good opportunity for management innovation. innovation I think um, we we all have already seen new uh, new types of organization uh, such as holacracy um, or, or something like this uh, emerging. Maybe it's um, it's not uh, something good for for everyone, but I I think it's uh, it's time for um, to uh, to be more. Uh, I would say uh, horizontal and and uh, agile organizations, and um, I, th- I think yes, it's going to be um, interesting to see uh, uh, what kind of new models will uh, will emerge. Thank you very much. And now let's go to Michelle Serrier. Michelle, I hope you're happy with the debut of your new series. And Michelle, I'd love for you to either predict what's going to happen with this topic or what's coming up next in a couple of weeks when we do another episode. I think it's six weeks away. Michelle, go ahead. I've got a whole 60 seconds for you, sir. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to use an old word and, and put it in a new frame, so to say, because we used to say that something was global where there was a, when there was a global plan and a, a local execution. And I think that's what we're going to, what we're going to see more and more in 2020. If you um, uh, put it, uh, carry it um, on, on organization, we're going to see more and more people that are actually going to work from home on a project basis and and uh, not be I mean, and be employed by two or more employers in in parallel to make sure that actually they don't just um, get a salary but they get a fulfilling life um, with uh, with projects that are um, interesting and relevant to them while delivering an impact thank you very much Michelle what's coming up next on the next episode in about a month or so you want to give us a quick sneak preview I can give you another 60 seconds if you want them we are going to um, to have a lady that actually um, wrote uh, different books on um, on organizational um, human on the way you can organize um, human resources um, and not just the organization HR and uh, as such, but actually the the whole companies. She's sitting in um, in Austria, and I met her like three weeks ago. Um, and and then we're going to get a, a chemical customer from SAP that is where we're going to have the CEO talking to us also in the same in the same session. Thank you very much. Very exciting. Glad, very very happy to have you back on radio with us, Michelle Serrier. Thank you to Kai. Anytime you know you're welcome, Kai. Anything to do with future, we want you there. And Michelle, thank you. thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to meet you. This has been our season debut of a brand new series called The Future with Work. Shout out to our engineer extraordinaire. I call him the fearless Aaron Keller at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. He is fearless, believe me. And here's my call to action. I hope you can hear me. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Kai, just like Mathieu, just like Michelle, and just like me. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Work with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.